0: On today's 5-Minute Appetizer, I want to talk about something called EMDR therapy. EMDR is known as Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing Therapy. It's a method, it's a type of therapy that helps people work through traumatic events and it's best known for helping to treat PTSD. Other conditions that it's helped with and continues to help with is anxiety, panic attacks, eating disorders, sexual assault, substance abuse, and grief and loss, just to name a few. EMDR is a structured therapy that helps a client or a person work through a traumatic memory while having bilateral stimulation, usually eye movement, to help reduce the vividness and the emotion that is... Combined with that traumatic event or traumatic memory. What I really like and appreciate about EMDR is that it doesn't require the person to talk in detail about the distressing issue. There's also no homework in between sessions. It more so focuses on changing the emotion and the thought and the behavior resulting from that distressing event. The brain is awesome, and the way it protects someone during traumatic event like this is sometimes it'll shut off and it'll kind of block out what's happening in the sense that it doesn't store that memory how it would store a normal memory so for example you go to the grocery store you buy your weekly groceries you check out you walk to your car the brain stores that memory it associates it with other times you've been to the grocery stores and other similar interactions you've had but one day you go to the grocery store and you witness Let's see, you witness maybe a car accident when you're walking out. It's a bad car accident and you came close to being also hit by this car. Your brain, when it witnesses this, might shut off or it stops processing this memory the way it did with other associations with the grocery store. So now triggers and moments and emotions and feelings might come up that the brain didn't associate and process through with this car accident, with this event. The point of this therapy, EMDR, it helps the brain to process through these memories and it teaches you and teaches your brain how to process through it and almost replace it with healthier behaviors and emotions to allow for healing. What EMDR doesn't do, it doesn't change your experience, it doesn't change that memory. The experience is still remembered, but the response from that experience is now changed. EMDR can be very impactful for people who have severe traumas, who have flashbacks, things that they have not been able to work through, but they're causing significant turmoil and impacts on day-to-day life and experiences. Can help with triggers that are coming up. There's might be specific triggers that you cannot control that happen outside of you, but they still dictate your day-to-day behavior and feelings and health. It's also very important that you see someone who is licensed and properly trained in EMDR. Treatment usually lasts anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes. It can be used in addition to standard talk therapy during standard talk therapy or treatment all by itself. EMDR is usually anywhere from six to 12 sessions, depending on traumatic events that have been experienced and that client is working through. There's eight phases and I'm only going to touch briefly on these phases because honestly I'm not trained and specific in this, but it is um, something I've learned about and am interested in getting fully certified in. The initial session, more so the intake with an EMDR therapist, is where the therapist and the client establish if this will be a good fit. From there is preparation and education. This is where You talk with a clinician about what EMDR will feel like, what to expect and the tools to help manage your emotions. After EMDR sessions, you might feel emotionally drained, uh, more irritable, just like you cut open a wound and you pour salt into it. It starts to help heal it, but it might be more painful at first before it starts to heal. From there, you have assessment. This is where you identify different themes, memories and parts of your life that you might want to work on during this reprocessing. Fourth is you have desensitization and reprocessing. So, this is where you and your healthcare provider activate the memory and help identify one or more specific negative image, thought, feeling, and body sensations that you are experiencing. Next up, you have installation. This is a phase where you'll focus on the positive belief that you want to build in as you process this memory from there you move into a body scan this body scan helps identify and process through your EMDR from there you have closure and stabilization this helps to form a bridge between later sessions and what you've experienced in the earlier sessions it is important that the session doesn't end until you feel calmer and safe until you've been able to titrate down eighth stage is the reevaluation and continued care so this is the last stage last phase of EMDR therapy it helps to reflect on your progress how you're doing now the progress you've made and if you're gonna need additional sessions reevaluation and continuing care also allows you and your clinician to work through what you might experience in the future with your emotions and with these reprocessing in your brain I just want to emphasize I am NOT a licensed clinician in this I am merely just talking about kind of a brief overview of what this technique entails. I recognize that this is not for everyone. EMDR can be very intense for people and it is a tool that people have been successful in using to work through traumas that they've experienced in their life, but once again is not for everyone. I found my way. I found my way. I was in the dark against it all, but made it through the I found my way, I found my way, In times, I know I'll be okay, cause I found my way. Today I want to talk about pre and post race. What's that feeling like? How does schedule change, nutrition, body, sleep, priorities, all of those things, and honestly, waited till the last second. To record this, so I am currently, it's 4.15, and I leave for a race in about 45 minutes to head to the train station, get to the airport, and take off to Seattle. What better time to talk about it than right before I leave? doing a race in Orcas Island, just off the coast of Seattle, and it is a swim run. I don't know how I got roped into this, because I never. Ever thought I'd be doing something like this. Mainly because I don't swim well. Um, and I guess I can run, but it's a little trail run action. It should be fun. Meeting a group of about 30 people up there with people from the gym I work at, Traverse Fitness, and it's gonna be cold and wet, and it looks like the weather is sunny, but other than that, we're swimming and running and swimming and running and swimming and running for about 8, 9, 10 hours. It's going to be a good time. We'll talk about it after. We can debrief on that. I kind of want to talk about the things leading up to it. I'll be honest, I didn't train as much as I probably could for this race. I didn't train as much as I did for the Half Ironman because I think that was a little bit more strict when it came to my schedule and my priorities and what my training plan looked like. Started, oh, voice crack. I did a four-month training plan. My priorities and my focus were specific to this race. They were locked in on May 22nd, Chattanooga, Tennessee. This is similar to what I was used to as far as having a goal in sight, training, and getting it done. But it was different because I was the only one doing it, besides the people I was doing it with. But I was the only one in the sense that, I was running on my own, I was biking on my own, I was swimming on my own when it came to race day. Whereas before, I was always more in a team environment. I enjoyed it because it was highly structured. I knew exactly what I was doing, the day I was doing it, the week I was doing it. And yeah, sometimes week of, I would adjust things based on, oh, I don't have time for a longer run on this day, I'll switch it out for that bike on that day, or the weather came in and I'm not going to be able to go outside, so I'll change it up. But As far as completing my bike and my run and my swims, I was knocking it out each week and very focused and clear with my goals and my intentions. For me, the way I thought of it is if I don't complete this longer bike ride or this longer run next week, I'm gonna have something similar and it's gonna suck. So it was easy to rationalize in my head, like I need to get this done. The other thing was that I was in school but I was in classes and so I knew my schedule every single week. I was able to look ahead and see what I had by the end of the week or by the end of the year as far as exams or papers that were due. For me the harder part was I felt like I wasn't able to be as around with my friends as I wanted to be or as around with school as I wanted to be because I would wake up and if I had school in the evening and I had work in the afternoon, I had to train in the morning. My margin for error or I guess my timing, I couldn't push anything later so I just had to knock it out right when I said I would. This current race that I'm doing, I haven't had that same experience. That is probably my fault. I haven't set a clearer and cleaner stricter schedule. I've been telling myself this race is gonna be fun and this race feels more like an adventure and less like a needing a strict schedule, which TBD, we'll find out if that will make or break it. Um, I've had something similar to where I have a schedule. I'll have a longer run or a longer swim run. I know I need to complete my nutrition if I don't get enough water, if I go out, if I don't get enough sleep. It's going to suck for the next day. Something I have noticed with this race is that I haven't been as strict in the sense that been taking a lot more HIIT classes. I've been able to pop into workouts at the gym. I've been able to go on longer runs or hikes and it's been nice because it is different than biking and just running and just swimming and not that it's just this or just that but I've been able to do things outside and in the summer with friends that I necessarily wasn't able to do when I was training for the Ironman. This race and the race, the triathlon I did in Chattanooga, are both vastly different. The way the race is broken down is that there's a long course and a short course. I'm doing a long course, and I would have a partner. Unfortunately, my partner, Katie, broke her toe. Um, So we registered for an individual. I'm doing the individual, but ideally, I'm doing it next to Katie. Point being, it's a three-mile swim total and a 22-mile run total. The run is some parts flat, some parts trail run, and it's broken up into 14 or 15 legs. There's nothing longer than 800 meters swim at a time, and there's nothing longer than a five and a half mile run at a time. Average comes out to be, I want to say it's like 350 meters at one at any given point, and not like a three and a half mile run. So... If you break it down, longest run we'll see in one sitting is going to be five and a half miles, but on average, as we crank through, it's about three and a half miles. There's like 15, 14, or 15 legs, so it's just back and forth. You swim, you run, you have your swim cap on, your goggles on, you have your wetsuit on the entire time. Carry all of your fuel and water on you, there's stops along the way, but for the most For the most part, everything's carried on you. Obviously, this is very different than a triathlon because you take off your wetsuit when you go to bike, you don't wear your swim cap and goggles, you don't have to crank out whatever leg you're on all in one sitting. For me, in my mental space, it's been easier to conceptualize it. It's also been easier to kind of be a little bit more lax today's goal in training, and that is my fault. In my head, I can say I will absolutely be able to crank out a five and a half mile run or a hike. And with the Ironman, it's something that was unfamiliar. For me now, the swimming is a little bit more familiar. The hiking or the running is very familiar. And this summer, I've been trying to do things that I can both enjoy and I can hike and do with my friends while also getting training out of it. With the Ironman, it felt like something. It was an all-or-nothing training experience, whereas this is still all-or-nothing, but I'm able to do things with people I love, including that training. Not that I wasn't doing that with people I loved when I was training, but in training with the triathlon felt a little bit more isolating and a little bit more solo. The body changes I saw when I was training for the triathlon were a lot different than the ones I've seen training for this race. When I was biking a ton and running a ton and swimming, doubling down on certain days about two to three times a week, I mean I was slimming out I dropped weight very quickly. A lot of my clothes were too big and I had to get new jeans at one point and new leggings honestly. It was, I guess, expected but unexpected. I was also exhausted. I was, I mean, I would come home and collapse. Like I was so tired. I was taking a lot more naps and I was really busy with school and work, but I mean, I was wiped by the end of the day. This race, I, the preparation in it, I haven't been as tired. That's probably because I haven't been putting as many hours into it. My sleep has not been great. I haven't been been prioritizing that which is something that I do regret that's something that I I feel in training the next day and I feel in work and in school my priorities and my focus haven't been as clear for this race I I don't know if it's because this in the summer I you know I want to see my friends I want to hang out I want to do things and I guess I was able to include my friends in on when I was doing training I'm not really sure how that changes, but I guess also the the race I'm doing, it's with one, a partner, and two, 30 other people from the gym are going with me and, or I guess I'm going with them. So it feels less lonely, whereas before I had two people that I was going to the triathlon with and our schedules were vastly different. The physical changes I've experienced during this training, I've been a lot different than the Ironman and the triathlon training I did. felt like the triathlon training. Not that it truly matters, but I was my heaviest I've ever been. And I felt it in my training, my fitness. I was in a space where I didn't want to get up and put my clothes on because I didn't like how they hugged my body. I didn't like how they felt on my body. and Quite frankly, I've never been in a place like that. I've looked in the mirror and been nitpicky, like, oh, I, you know, I wish I looked like this, or I wish, I feel like that's a, a little bit more standard and normal for me. As I started to train, and as months went by, and the training plan continued, I dropped weight. I slimmed down very quickly, and this wasn't in a intentional way. I was just training a ton and would go home, make dinner, go to bed. And I was meal prepping and my schedule was super strict, but I felt a lot better. My knees didn't hurt anymore. My ankles didn't hurt and I was able to put a lot more into training than I had been able to. I guess I wasn't aware of how limited I was and how limited my mobility was in in the headspace I was in as well. Although it was unintentional. It is having a deeper effect on me now than I had expected. After the triathlon in May, I didn't go on as many long bike rides. I didn't run as much, and I was excited to get back in a routine and work out with people and and go on longer trail runs or hikes without dreading shit. I have a long bike ride and a run tomorrow, and if I do this long hike, I'm gonna be sore, and it's gonna make my training a lot harder. And I noticed it. I noticed it in the way my clothes started to fit and in my body. And it was a weird experience because I've had moments where I noticed changes in my body and physical changes, but not to this degree. The fluctuation had a bigger impact than I was expecting, and it wasn't a negative or a positive impact. For this race, I set less structured training plan, which, once again, TBD will We'll chat about how that affected me during the race. But but the training plan was less structured and less organized. I guess from my previous experience, the expectation I had on my body and on these body changes still held true for this race. And as I speak about it, it doesn't make sense because this is a vastly different race. I am cranking out a lot more incline. I am doing a lot less longer distances and a lot more shorter distances, shorter spurts. I'm going from shorter runs into shorter swims, back into shorter runs, back into shorter sprints, shorter swims. Say that five times fast. Shorter swims, shorter swims. Wow. No. And I noticed it didn't make the same change on my body because I'm doing a different training plan. But on my mind, I was expecting, okay, I'm going to be training hard. I'm going to be feeling peak fitness and I'm going to be having the same body changes that I had experienced last time. And when I started to notice that I wasn't having that, I kind of recoiled. I got in my head. I started to notice I was looking at myself in the mirror. I was looking at pictures of myself from before to now. And it was a space that I was unfamiliar with. And it was really hard And it is really hard. It's a mental mind game of my body's doing all these amazing things for me. I'm about to swim in open water a lot of times. And I'm about to hike up trails and down trails and jump and run. My legs are about to carry me 22 miles and three miles of swimming. So 25 miles total. And I'm still in my head looking at myself as if I should look different or as if I wanna look different. It's a hard space to be in, because in my head I know I don't wanna think that way, I shouldn't think that way, and my body's doing so much for me. But then also, the other voice is saying, you're not training as much, or you didn't train as much because you're not looking like you were looking, or you're not feeling like you were feeling. It doesn't go hand in hand with my fitness. I recognize that the feelings I have about my body are oftentimes fickle, and they're not always true. And once again, the things I tell myself are not always true, but they make a really big impact on how I'm thinking and how I'm feeling and going into the race worried about how I look or how my wetsuit looks. has nothing to do truly with the race I'm about to run, but it feels like a much deeper impact. I am training a lot and doing a ton to prep for this race and have done a ton. And I guess that goes to say, no matter what training I'm doing, I'm still getting these feelings and I am still feeding the the story about myself, no matter what I'm doing. Sometimes it's, I guess it's fickle. My emotions are, my feelings are not here to stay. And they change based on the day. They change based on the week and the training session and what I have going on. It doesn't hold up. And I recognize these feelings have been a big part of my headspace and they've taken up big parts of my brain and my thoughts. I wish it was something that I didn't focus on and I wish it was something that didn't take up as much. It was a big piece of training that I didn't realize would be a big piece of training for me. What I do love about having a race and having a goal in mind and being signed up is it creates a deadline for me. I thrive on deadlines. I thrive on plans and schedules and having something on the calendar that I know is going to be happening. I love having that goal because it forces me to check in and focus and behind every single workout or every single thing I do, early morning, late night forces me to get my shit together and crank it out. I just heard Rachel wake up. She's taking me to the airport because she's an angel. So TBD on how the race goes, we'll chat after. But thanks for listening to my part one. Let's circle back next week. I In bad times, I know I'll be okay I find my way.